Marvel produces some of the most mainstream comics to date in the United States. Their movies are incredibly popular, and they seem to make blockbuster hits every year. Even now, during this period of shutdown movie theaters, they have continued to produce popular shows and release them on Disney+. This popularity of superhero comics in America is nothing compared to the prevalence of manga and the other media it inspires in Japan, though. I'm Ren Sean, a student at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and this podcast is part of the World Ethnography Project. During this episode, you'll listen to me talk about Jennifer Prow's ethnography, Straight from the Heart, gender, intimacy, and the cultural production of shoujo manga. The research conducted for this particular ethnography was done from 2000 to 2002, and there's been a lot of change in the world of manga since then. It's pop culture after all, and what is popular and current is always changing. The style in manga and anime has spread beyond Japan, and even some American-produced games like Doki Doki Literature Club are heavily inspired by Japanese manga, visual novels, and anime. Similar to American comic books in this way, manga is interconnected with a variety of media. This ethnography primarily focuses on the shoujo manga industry. Despite some of the information being dated, it's a wonderful look at what modern-day manga and anime has evolved from. Jennifer Prow conducted the fieldwork for her ethnography while living in Tokyo, Japan, from 2000 to 2002. This was Prow's first exposure to fieldwork and writing ethnography, but it wasn't her first time researching Japan. She received her bachelor's in East Asian studies, and both of her master's theses were on women's gender and sexuality in Japan. The fieldwork she did in Tokyo and this ethnography were part of her dissertation to get her PhD. She now has a position as assistant professor of humanities in East Asian studies in Christ College, the Honors College of Valparaiso University. Similar to our own Honors College, Prout teaches unique courses on Japanese media, tourism, and pop culture. Now, I've said it a lot this far, but what exactly is shoujo manga? Well, that's exactly what Prout describes in the first chapter of her ethnography. Here in the United States, shoujo and shonen are watered down into just genres of anime and manga. That's not entirely accurate. Shoujo means girls and shonen means boys. They're not genres as much as they are the intended audience mangaka or manga artists are catering towards. Shoujo manga originates as being intended for all girls, but it has since split into several different newer audiences. Today, shoujo refers to the manga produced for girls and young teens about 10 to 18 years old. Shonen refers to the boy counterpart. There's a stark contrast between these two. Shonen is centered around what boys are supposed to like. There's lots of action, food, and scantily clad women. Shoujo, on the other hand, has more personal themes and helps introduce girls to the importance of human relationships. Prow states in this ethnography that her intention is to argue that gendered content and narratives of human relations are what fashion girls into consumers. This is a major theme in the ethnography that's returned to in pretty much every chapter. Shoujo manga is dependent on girls for what stories and themes they produce, but they also shape the interests of young girls. If you're a young girl student in Japan and all your friends are reading the latest issue of manga with colorful stickers inside, you want to buy a copy for yourself. Whether it's the pressure of everyone else having a copy already and not wanting to feel left out, or you just want the cute sparkly stickers. Shoujo manga controls a lot of what media girls consume at a young age. If you ever read the American Girl doll magazines like I did, you know what I mean. A lot of them came wrapped with different stickers, codes, and fun quizzes inside. Along with these fun incentives, there's still advertisements and a push to consume more in every page. Shoujo magazines often advertise different magazines from the same publishing house, 
Publishing houses want to build a commitment from young girls by advertising shoujo magazines geared toward the age group above them. They want to create a loyal consumer for their specific content. This continued loyalty is one reason that mangaka is the second most popular career for young girls after actresses. They don't just want to read manga, they want to create it and be a part of the art. Most publishing houses even have competitions to encourage young artists to become involved with the incentive of money and an agent if they win. This has not always been the case. Shoujo manga was written, drawn, and produced primarily by men prior to the 1970s. They often fit exactly to the stereotypical expectations of girls were supposed to like. Princesses, foreign men, romance, and of course, sparkles. One mangaka that challenged this was Osamu Tezuka. He's known for completely shaking the manga industry in general with his new style featuring large eyes. Tezuka was actually inspired by Disney movies that had large animated eyes. He preferred using them since they were able to show more emotion. Tezuka also wrote Ribu no Kichi, which went against the classic romantic genre that shoujo often fell into. This was one of my favorite things that I learned in the ethnography. Ribu no Kishi, also known as Princess Knight, follows Sapphire, a person born with the heart of both a boy and a girl. She fully identifies as a girl, but she acts as a prince to learn sword work to defeat the villain of the series. I think it's really interesting that such a gender-challenging character was written at the time, especially comparing it to today. You'd think after 50 years, we could have good intersex representation in media with the attempts at progressiveness, but it remains to be missing when shows try to represent the LGBTQ+. Another one of Tezuka's shoujo works is considered the first magical girl manga, Himitsu no Akuchan, or Sally the Witch. Sailor Moon is probably the most popular shoujo manga today, and even people who are not very familiar with manga or anime recognize the magical girl trope. The biggest change in the topics of the shoujo manga was when women began writing them. In the early 1970s, there was a significant demand for manga. Women were also entering into the workforce in larger numbers. As women began writing the stories, the manga became more involved in exactly what girls were interested in. It should be pretty instinctual that girls know what girls want, but it was a new thing at the time. The manga written by women proved to be much more popular with girls, and it's now the normal for women to be the mangaka. They make up over 90% of the artists for shoujo manga. Editors of manga, however, are still primarily men. They're considered less biased when working to edit the manga since they shouldn't have the prior experience of being a reader. This fits the stereotypical power dynamic between men and women, too. While the women are doing the emotional and creative aspect of the manga industry, men are in charge of the final decisions. Just like normal authors and artists, the appeal of manga creation does not come from the money. Artists are paid per page and by popularity, so it's difficult to make a living off of it initially. Artists are able to work on it from home, however. Unlike the basic office job, many employees in the manga industry enjoy the freedom of working from home and only going into the publishing house for formal meetings. Even editors enjoy the big company aspect of a publishing house while avoiding the formalness. interesting chapter to me in this ethnography was chapter 5. Prow explores the sexuality of girls in shoujo along with Japanese society. Initially, shoujo was fairly wholesome in content, stories centered around school and daily life for young girls. As women became more free sexually, the content of shoujo changed. This also led to the creation of new sub-demographics. Gyaru became the term used to describe content for older teenage girls and young adults. 
Even if there were sexual scenes in these manga, they were rarely full shots and included close-ups of the face and expressions to show the feelings. This is consistent with the writing intended to be what girls want. As the saying goes, men use love to get sex, women use sex to get love. The manga shows the emotions of sex since that's what women are expected to value in a relationship. Kogyaru refers to the sexy, cute, schoolgirl fashion popular in Japan. Schoolgirls are considered the trendsetters in Japan, and they're often in advertisements for whatever kind of product you can even think of. Again, the idea that girls are just endless consumers of products and media. This was an unfortunate reality, especially in the 1990s, as girls began taking part in Enjo Kozai just to afford their spending habits. An excerpt from the ethnography describes it better than I could. Enjo Kozai, translated as assisted dating, refers to the practice of schoolgirls giving their time and sometimes sexual favors to older men in exchange for money to buy designer goods. Typically, the phenomenon consisted of high school and occasionally junior high girls meeting men via terikura or dedo kurabu in order to set up a date for a prearranged sum of money. Advertised ubiquitously on free advertisement tissues handed out in front of train stations and posted all over phone booths, terikura locations where men could pay private rooms to await a call from a young girl to set up a date. The clubs had networks of girls they could call to contact with the eagerly awaiting client. Mobile phone, internet, and email networks made such transactions all the easier. A man could simply post a proposal of 20,000 yen for dinner or 40,000 yen for dinner and sex at a specific bulletin board or group, wait for a girl to respond, or vice versa. There was widespread upside in response to this trend. It wasn't just that young girls were sleeping around, but that they were going so far as to sell themselves to older men. It didn't help the image of girls as being the apex predator of fashion. Most published interviews with girls that took part in Kozai include her saying she does it for the money to buy herself things. Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Prada, and of course the karaoke and phone bill. Prow writes that the media complained about how the youth have become so shallow, seemingly surviving only for brand name goods and to hang out with friends at any cost. One particular shoujo manga combated these notions in the 1990s. Gals was a best-selling manga and hit anime at the time of Proud's fieldwork. This shoujo manga centers around the modern schoolgirl culture in Japan. The main characters dressed in kogyaru fashion, loved to shop, and of course police the streets of Japan at night. They were the coolest characters, but they never supported Enjo Kozai. The main character, Ran, actually actively fights against the men preying on young girls for sexual favors. An excerpt included in this ethnography shows Rayan slapping another girl as she plans to take part in Enja Kozai. She calls herself just an object. There's a really powerful line that Rayan uses in response, included in the panel. Don't be so childish. Things don't feel pain. Aren't you alive? If you're hit, you feel pain. If you're cut, you'll bleed, right? If you don't feel pain, it's as if your heart is dead as well. Go try and cut apart your own body and sell it. If you can't do that, you shouldn't talk so big. Hoshino, the character Ran slaps, ends up joining her gang of girls and taking down the villains of Tokyo streets. The materialism of schoolgirl culture is still prevalent in the show, but the acts of Enjo Kozai commonly associated with it are strongly condemned. I found this ethnography overall an incredible read. I personally don't read a lot of shoujo manga, I just keep up to date with a few of my favorites. I watch a lot more anime by myself and with friends. It's not touched a lot in the ethnography, but a lot of guys enjoy shoujo content. I hang out with a friend group of mostly guys, and we all cried over a silent voice. 
highly suggest that movie if you like an emotional trip. There's still the people that think they're so much better for preferring the action-packed Naruto or Dragon Ball Z, but the emotional content in Jojo is incredibly popular across gender lines. The biggest thing I took away from reading this ethnography was the contrast in media production there compared to the United States. While I did compare it to comic books and Marvel here initially, the industries themselves are completely different. Of course, shoujo manga is geared towards young girls, while superhero comics are stereotypically for boys. So maybe it isn't fair to compare them, but even shonen is in a whole nother level of popularity in Japan, compared to superhero comic books in the US. The contrast between American media and Japanese media is really interesting, and it made me want to look more into the crossovers. American culture is pretty popular there, even more so than Japanese culture is here. Cheers and thanks for listening, everybody. If you took anything out of listening to me for the last eternity, I hope it was an increased awareness of what's out there in media. Even if you aren't sold to becoming a diehard weeb, consider checking out some manga from the library. It's a great way to feel the effects of globalization on media, or just see cute characters fight villains. I can't say that's not part of the appeal.